As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Just a world of terrible people, Drew. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Here's my personal view on it. I think that we have a really high BS meter or sales meter, if you want to say it in a kinder way. Of there's so we're just surrounded. Think about how many marketing pitches you see on a regular basis. Yeah. You know, of somebody asking for something from you. Is this you know, authentic, what are they trying to get from me? Like, that's just the response. And then I think when you couple that with a social situation where suddenly people, because maybe kindness isn't normal, people suddenly feel like they have to step outside of their comfort zone and be a little bit vulnerable and not know what's going to happen, that that creates some fear and anxiety in people to like, okay, I don't know what I'm getting myself into right now. This is the Defining Audacity Radio Show, where we inspire people to live a bold, adventurous, and intentional life using life lists or bucket lists to accomplish that goal. Here is your host, Drew Myers. Howdy, let's ride. This is the Defining Audacity Radio Show. I'm your host, Drew Myers. I appreciate you tuning in today, wherever you might be. If you're listening online, you're probably listening to us on KTTC, today's Texas country. Thank you. If you're listening in the greater Glen Rose area, you're probably listening to us on 95.3 KOME. Appreciate you tuning in as well. We've got a great episode of the Defining Audacity Radio Show planned for today. Our featured artist is Charlie and the Regrets, a really cool up-and-coming band out of the Houston area. We'll highlight their music throughout the show, and we'll play an excerpt of my interview with Charlie Harrison, the front man for Charlie and the Regrets, during this episode as well. If you'd like to catch the entire interview with Charlie, you can download that podcast right now wherever you get your podcast from, Spreaker, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play. The full Charlie Harrison interview from Charlie and the Regrets is up there now. A majority of this show will be my conversation with Kelsey Grenevich, the Director of Communications for the Random Acts of Kindness Foundation. Kelsey is a staple on the Defining Audacity radio show. We like to bring her in to talk about Random Acts of Kindness Week, which happened a couple weeks ago. We also like to bring her on the show because she kicks a lot of tail. She is one of my favorite people in the whole world, and I've never met the girl. But just her perspective on life and her huge heart have made me president of her fan club for sure. So I'm excited about sharing that interview today. If this is your first time tuning into the Defining Audacity radio show, thank you. Every week we deliver a message of hope and inspiration that hopefully helps our listeners throw a wrench in the status quo. We want people to stop saying I'll do it tomorrow. We want people to start living on purpose. We want people to put their goals, dreams, and aspirations in the spotlight because we firmly believe that is where they belong. We want people to live a bold, adventurous, and intentional life, and we use life lists or bucket lists to help people get to that point, but we don't care how they get there. Just get there. 
Start living on purpose. Tonight's show is brought to you by our friends at Purpose Coffee, which invests its proceeds from coffee and merchandise sales into projects, programs, and nonprofits that fight for child welfare across the world. They sell amazing coffee. They really do. You got to try this. But they're also changing the world, one community at a time. Check out Purpose Coffee at purposecoffeeco.com or just type Purpose Coffee into Google. Again, that's purposecoffeeco.com. Thanks to Purpose Coffee for believing in the Defining Audacity radio show. We definitely believe in you guys. Love what you guys are doing from Dalhart, Texas, changing the world one community at a time. All right, we're going to turn things over to Mr. Charlie Harrison from Charlie and the Regrets. They'll be singing our kickoff song for this episode of the Defining Audacity radio show. And then we'll jump right into our interview with Kelsey Grenevich, Director of Communications for the Random Acts of Kindness Foundation. So without further ado, this is a toe-tapping, badass song from Charlie and the Regrets called What Can I Do? You're listening to the Defining Audacity radio show.
Couldn't have said it better myself. This is the Defining Audacity Radio Show. Joining me on the Defining Audacity Radio Show again. I believe this is like her fourth time to be on the the show. One of my favorite people, one of my favorite guests, Miss Kelsey Grenavich, Director of Communications for the Random Acts of Kindness Foundation from Denver, Colorado. Miss Kelsey, how are you? Hey, Drew. I just think we need to make these weekly calls because every time I chat with you, I leave feeling energized and excited about my week. And to answer your question, I'm doing well. Thanks. Hey, just throwing spaghetti against the wall, not to completely bogart your schedule and not to really do it every week. But what if we did like a supplemental podcast once a month and just jumped on and and talked about kindness? Just something to think about. I would love to do that both, you know, as my own selfish reason, because I like chatting with you and it also brings kindness to the forefront of my brain and also to be able to share with others the great things that are happening every day that I get to see both, you know, in my inbox and social media and in person that would definitely help, you know, give people a little bit more hope about the world around them and see the good in people. We're going to talk about that offline for sure. Because I would, I would love to do that. We brought Kelsey on a year ago, leading up to Random Acts of Kindness Week. Then we brought her on for a follow-up. And then we do, we're doing the same thing this year. We brought her on before Random Acts of Kindness Week. And now we're bringing her back on to kind of give us a, a recap for 2017. And you were telling me before we started recording this interview that it was pretty awesome, right? It was amazing. I was so inspired and just impressed with the goodwill of the global community. Let's talk about some of the coolest things that came across your radar. Do you have any that stood out to you? I do. 
So one of the big ones that a lot of people were inspired by is there is an anonymous high school student in Ohio, in Troy, Ohio, who leading up to Random Acts of Kindness Week and Valentine's Day spent months making 1,300 Valentines for every single person at their school. Awesome. So can you imagine making 1,300? They weren't just notes. It was a whole intricate setup, and there were origami hearts. And then on Valentine's Day, they put one on every single person's locker so that every person felt recognized and loved on Valentine's Day. And they also did it for Random Acts of Kindness Week. And I was just so inspired by that, you know, because it is such a simple action and that they took that much time, you know, out of their life to pay attention to the people around them and make them feel a little bit better and just really shows you the power of one simple, kind act. And they stayed anonymous? They did, yeah. The story um, went really viral. It was one of the most engaging stories we've actually ever posted on our Facebook page. And the story said the student wanted to remain anonymous. That is the best part of the story. Yeah, I think so, too. That It was that idea of not wanting to get credit for it, of really doing it out of the goodness of their heart. Love that. Okay, so that's that's a good story. What else you got? So, and then on that, you know, going from an individual high school student all the way over to some famous celebrities, um, we saw so much engagement from football players because it was right after their seasons were ending. Um, so we saw um, Thomas Davis from the Carolina Panthers created a video where he was calling fans like randomly to thank them for their oh, yeah, support I saw that. of yeah, the that was team. Cool. Yeah, and then we also saw you know some Denver Broncos players going to surprise first responders with pizza, and same thing with um, a couple other organizations like the Chive, which is a big online community. Um, they did something every single day of the week and engaged their you know million to two million plus um, members to get involved. And so one day it was buy coffee or treats for, you know, similarly your first responders, your local fire department, your police department. So they had, you know, over 600 people that they got to participate in the challenges with them during the week, which was amazing. And um, I think one thing I was so impressed by this year was the a number of schools who were celebrating Random Acts of Kindness Week and how they actually fully embodied it. You know, everything from putting up signs on the walls that were kindness walls so people could give each other compliments on that to, you know, the staff holding up positive signs that said, you know, commit a Random Acts of Kindness today. You're awesome for parents who are in the carpool line who often are in a rush and, you know, a little bit frustrated. And so it was just a way to add some positivity to the morning. And just really, they did you know, kind of bingo cards around the school. We saw, I would say, about half of the people who were involved in Random Acts of Kindness Week this year in terms of our community, not just social posts, were it was coming from schools. It's neat that they've embraced it like that. Definitely. I um, it's. I think, you know, schools are, or businesses or anywhere where you have a community of people who are coming together anyway, it just is a great you know, environment to facilitate acts of kindness happening because you already have that, you know, exchange that's happening between people and among people. And so it makes it that much easier to say, hey, this is what we care about. This is part of our culture. Let's work together this week and be able to do something that's going to, you know, add to the greater good. 
we had some things happen here in the greater Glenrose area where our home station is 95.3 KOME, and I want to share those with you. But I want to ask about personally, what did you do last week for Random Acts mm-hmm. of Kindness Week? So we did a couple things as a staff, and then I did a couple things myself. So as a staff, we tried out a new project where it was basically like a life-size, you can call it either thank you card or basically like a fill-in-the-blank Mad Lib, (laughs) but it was an appreciation Mad Lib. So basically, we um, wrote on a dry erase board a fill-in-the-blank compliment, like, hey, blank, I just wanted to let you know how much I appreciate blank blank and blank about you that kind of thing that's cool Um, yeah and then we went out onto the streets outside our office and um just had people fill in the blanks and then we took a photo of them on both our phones and their phones so they could then just send it to somebody you know who they were thinking about somebody who deserved more appreciation and at first people were a little bit (laughs) sketched out by like what are what am i doing what are you signing me up for and then when they realized it was you know Random Acts of Kindness Week and what it was about, we went from people not necessarily wanting to get involved to having a line of people who were ready to fill in the blanks and take a picture and send it to someone they cared about. So that that was great. And then we also had a number of people, which we are so appreciative and thankful for, who sent our office some treats and some flowers. And so we decided to pay it forward with those flowers. And so we went over to people we know and love who absolutely help us out on a daily basis, like our HR manager who helps us with everything. Um, we took those flowers and went into her office and surprised her and thanked her for everything she's done for us. So really continued that ripple effect of kindness. And we shared that with one of the people who gave us the flowers and they're like, that was the best thing you could have done with them. I'm so glad they didn't just die in your office and that, you know, one more person was able to be inspired and feel better because of them. So awesome. And that's why I love having you on this show, Kelsey, to tell us stories like this. What about personally? What'd you do? Um, Personally, I, so one of my goals for this year has been to write 52 thank you notes. So write a thank you note a week to a different person. And so during Random Acts of Kindness Week, I just wrote a thank you note every day to various people. Like I wrote one to my sixth grade teacher who I haven't chatted with in years and then tracked down his contact info to be able to send over to him um, the thank you note. So really going outside of the box of the normal circle of people that I interact with and really think about who has had a positive impact on my life and really shaped who I am today. So that was the big thing that I did for Random Acts of Kindness Week. Um, This year, it was just something simple, something that was free, and something that I know if I got that in the mail, a handwritten letter from somebody, you know, from my past saying that I made a positive impact in their life, that that would be really meaningful to me. I love it. Love your heart, girl. Joining me mm-hmm. again on the Defining Audacity radio show, Ms. Kelsey Grenevich, Director of Communications for the Random Acts of Kindness Foundation. We are recapping Random Acts of Kindness Week. Can I share a couple things that, that I did? Yeah, I was just going to ask, what did you do, Drew? Well, this was my third time to actively participate. It was on my life list to do that, and it will be on every life list that I make for the rest of my life, Kelsey, to actively participate in Random Acts of Kindness Week because it is so powerful and there is so much perspective that i get personally from staying aware of kindness opportunities so some of the things that i did i did a video challenge 
Um, I did five, and I'm still going to do two more, even though Random Acts of Kindness Week is over. And I challenged specific people in my life to do specific things. And I had a coffee can of Random Acts of Kindness, and I would reach in the can and pull out a Random Act of Kindness. I said, okay, if you do this, let me know that you did it, and I'll make a $25 donation to a, a nonprofit of your choice. So it turned in really pretty cool because these people would do videos back to me. Mm. And then they would say, hey, no, you pick the nonprofit and I'll match the $25. So it just, it was kind of cool how it worked out. And I picked friends. I've, I picked friends that I lost touch with. I've picked uh, family members. I picked people that have been on my radio show. Um, so quasi celebrities, if you will. (laughs) And everybody was really, was really digging it and they embraced it. So that was cool. That was kind of the, I guess the big thing that I did. Wow, I love that idea, too, of pulling something, you know, like having the ideas put together and then pulling one out randomly, too. I think it adds a little bit of a fun element to it. What was, like, the first person you reached out to, what was their reaction? Well, it was my sister, Allie, my youngest sister, Allie, and she has three kids under the age of three and a half. Oh, wow. And, and, Good and, for her. I know. And, and the youngest one is like three weeks old. So I was like, okay, will she do this or will she oh, be man. cussing me? And the, the thing she had to do was donate pet food to a local shelter or rescue group. And she jumped all over it. And she posted a picture on Facebook and, uh, you know, accepting the challenge with her in the in the food. And it, it just turned out to be really cool. And she didn't make any excuses about being, you know, staying at home with three little boys. So I thought that was really neat. Wow. What, I mean, like you said, having three little kiddos at home where you're just trying to (laughs) stay sane and be able to take care of them, let alone take care of yourself. And then she was able to do something to take care of others outside of her family. That's really cool. Yeah. I I love that she didn't, because she could have cussed me, to be honest with you. (laughs) Absolutely. Like, I don't need one more thing to do. Right. And what's funny is I would, post the video on Facebook and then I would send him a text and I said sorry and you're welcome happy random acts of (laughs) kindness week and they didn't know what I was talking about so they went to Facebook and and checked it out so that was one of the things I did another thing I spent some time with the lady here in town an older lady that I really admire I think power of presence is huge and I did that Mm -hmm. last year or maybe the first year that I did random acts of kindness we just spent time with an, an elderly friend in the community so that was good. That was something small. Um, what else did I do? It was important to me to put other people's goals, dreams, and aspirations in the spotlight. So one of my former guests, his name's Josh Greider, was doing a Kickstarter campaign for a new album. Mm-hmm. So I made a donation to that to get to get that funded. Mm-hmm. Um, a lady here in town wanted to start running, and a friend of mine in town wanted to start running, and. I bought her a book and I put a workout plan together and I registered her for a run, a 5K. Wow. So it sounds like it's interesting because you're touching on all different kinds of resources. Like one, making the donation that's, you know, using money to spread kindness. To the example you just gave is both time and money, you know, like putting that plan together, helping her out with that, the presence of being just being with somebody, you know, and then also the creativity of, okay, how do I put, you know, acts of kindness together and challenge other people? It's cool that you had such diversity in it. Well, thank you. Well, it goes back to that first time that I actively participated because I struggled with what does it mean to show kindness? I know that sounds crazy, but it's true. And I asked myself that time, how do I 
receive kindness. Mm-hmm. What does that mean to me? And then I just flipped it around, and that's that's what I do. I'm very intentional about who I'm showing the kindness towards, and what I'm what I'm doing, what the actual act of kindness is as well. So I spend a lot of time thinking about it. I, I'm a runner, you know that. And mm-hmm. when I'm out running, I just think about it constantly, constantly, constantly. So that's the that's the intentional part of Random Acts of Kindness Week. But going back to what you've taught me is you just need to stay aware of opportunities that present themselves also. And that was something else I was going to share with you on the radio station here. We talked about it because I was actively participating. And it was Thursday of Random Acts of Kindness Week. So it was later in the week. And we had talked about it all week, and I had lost a bet on the radio station. We play a silly game on Wednesday, lost the bet, and I had to go stand out on the freeway, on the highway that runs through town, the main street, with a sign that said, I lost to Julie. <laughs> and and I had to go out and stand out there for an hour with a sign. And I said, well, hey, it's Random Acts of Kindness Week. Let's do something with this. Right. And I said, how about this? I will give 10 cents to the local food bank for everybody that drives by and honks their horn. Wow. And also, if you would like to make a donation while we're standing out there, drop off some cash or cans or whatever, and we'll get mm-hmm. it to the food bank. In one hour, we raised north of $1,000. Wow. Just, That's amazing. And we didn't pre-promote it, Kelsey. It just happened. So that was awesome. That's so it's and it's totally looking like you said, being aware for about opportunities, you know, you're like, okay, I'm going to go out here anyway. How can I use this for good and take what I'm already doing and add that piece to it that, you know, is able to give back to others. That's amazing. That's a lot of horn honks and donations. (laughs) Well, a lot of people dropped off cash and checks and it was it was really neat because, again, no planning. It was definitely random. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the food bank was was very appreciative also. So we're like, hey, that was cool. And everybody kept asking, what are you guys going to do tomorrow? Mm-hmm. And we didn't have a plan. We didn't have a plan for that. We didn't have a plan for for Friday either. But we went over into a neighboring county. Somebody had donated us a bunch of hooded towels for kids. And we were like, who could use these towels? And it was a foster home over there. And what we did is we set up shop and we said, hey, if you want to come get one of these hooded towels and give us a donation to Foster's Children's Home, come on and do it. Or we'll donate the towels directly to the to the children's home. We raised north of two thousand dollars doing that. And the kids got the remaining towels to use as well. So another just really cool thing that there was a little bit of planning involved in that one, but not much more. And that's what I thought was awesome. Yeah, it's that, you know, the spontaneous nature of it often makes for some of the best moments. And it's like we've talked about on the show before that saying of do what you can with what you have where you are. It's like, okay, we have these hooded towels, you know, what do we do with this? I know in our office we have a box of things, whether it's, you know, materials that people send us or just extra stuff that each of us staff members have from home, like if someone happened to give us a gift card or whatever it is, you know, extra materials that we're like, how can we, we'll put it here. And then when we do our monthly kindness outings as a staff, we'll draw from that and say like, okay, what could we do? You know, how can we be creative with what we have right here and not having to go out and buy extra stuff or, you know, make it into something where you have to spend a ton of extra time and money planning for it. Absolutely. I probably said, do what you can with what you have, where you are about 150 times during 
Random Acts of Kindness week. So, and I <laughs> and I got that straight from you, girl. So I hold on to that very dearly, and I love it. Yeah, it's something that saying, "Do what you can with what you have where you are," and then similarly, another one I've said on here is, you know, wherever you are right now, leave it better than you found it. Right. Is a similar idea. You know, those run through my head all the time, especially now having worked at the Random Acts of Kindness Foundation for almost five years and just being surrounded with people who live from that mindset. You know, it's just a running a little hum in my brain there right. constantly. That's a good. That's a good hum to have. The yeah. The other story I was going to tell you. This had to do with me standing out on the freeway kind of was the domino effect or the snowball effect. This lady pulls up in the parking lot, pulls off the freeway, pulls into the parking lot and kind of summons me over and she has cash in her hand. So I go over there and she rolls down in her passenger side window, Kelsey. She mm-hmm. hands me the money. and I'm like, thank you so much. I appreciate it. And she goes, dang it. And I'm like, what happened? She was like, I forgot that that window doesn't roll back up. Mm. And it was cold that day. I mean, it was real cold, probably close to freezing, 32, 33 degrees. So I kind of try to help get the window up, but I can kind of feel like if I keep pulling on this thing, it's going to break. And I'm like, dang it. I'm like, I'm sorry, I can't help you. And she had to drive 30 minutes to a neighboring um, county. So I get back in, inside, and I'm on the radio, and I'm talking about this particular lady. And she calls into the radio station and says, I went by quick car. They fixed my window. All's good. That's great. Well, later on that day, I have one of our listeners send me a text, and they said, we would like to make an anonymous donation to that lady to get her window really fixed. I'm wow. Like, yeah, I'm like, that's awesome. So the lady shows up at the radio station the next day. Um, we invite her over to get her money and stuff, and she says, no, I would rather donate it to the second thing that we did, the Foster's Children's Home. I would rather donate that money to to that. And then one of our sponsors said that they would fix her window for free. So, I mean, just all of this crazy stuff because this lady dropped off, you know, three or four dollars, rolled down her window and it didn't go back up. But everybody was staying aware of an opportunity to show kindness. And it it turned out to be a really awesome story. And how great is it that, you know, this platform that you have with this radio show and your skill sets that you're able to help bring people's awareness or heighten people's awareness, you know, about opportunities. Like, that's so great. That's something that, you know, you don't have to do that all the time, but you can use the platform for that. And like you experienced, you know, people respond. Like, I think it's interesting um, how people want to help. It's, you know, it's something we want to do. We want to be able to help out one another. We want to be able to feel like we're contributing. And I think, at least for me, sometimes I forget that. I'm very much a person who's like, I'll do it on my own. Right. <laughs> I'll be independent and I don't necessarily need help. And then you realize, like, you're almost robbing people of that experience where they're like, no, I want to help. I just, you know, need to know who needs it. And that's the beauty of that story you just told. Yeah, I totally, I totally agree. Joining me on the phone from Denver, Colorado, Director of Communications for the Random Acts of Kindness Foundation, Ms. Kelsey Grinevich. Can I share one other thing with you? Of course. Okay, I just want to bounce this off you and see what you think, because this is something that I'm doing. This is in relationship to the, to the radio show, the Live on Purpose Initiative and the Defining Audacity brand. We are doing a beta test with some of our listeners, with 50 of our listeners to be exact, And what they're doing is they're signing up for this thing and they're getting random text messages from me over the course of a month, 10 text messages. 
and it is essentially I'm sending them random acts of kindness that they can do for other people or that they can do for themselves to mm-hmm. kind of break the daily grind. That's kind of the premise there. Mm-hmm. And it's a competition. So there's a point system. And at the end of the day, at the end of the month, whoever has the most points gets a care package from one of our sponsors. It's just mm-hmm. something that I was like, hey, I want to try this, something that I want to do. And the people have, a lot of people have embraced it. And we're going to have 50 people starting March 15th. They get these text messages from me that says, hey, go and do this, whatever it is. What do you think about that? I love that idea for a few reasons. One, I love the simplicity of it, you know, that it's they're getting an idea. So do each of the 50 people get the 10 text messages? They get the same 10 text messages. Yeah. So the simplicity of that, it also helps people instead of having to pull from all of the possibilities of what they could do. You know, there's a direction which helps. Like you're just like, yep, okay, this is the thing I'm going to do. And then the competition and it makes for some playfulness, you know, within it. And then getting a little bit of that reward of like, oh, yeah, this care package from sponsors, you know, that's a nice little perk. And I think also you feel like you're part of a movement or like a community knowing that, you know, you're doing it, you're going to be talking about it. And there's, you know, 49 other people that are going to be with you that are participating in it. And as well, it feels like it hits all those things that people are seeking, you know, the belonging and community and contribution and fun. I think it's a great idea. Thank you. They have to show proof that they did these things. I'm kind of anxious to see if that stops people from doing it or, and it doesn't, they don't have to be loud. It's not like they have to post something on Facebook. They just have to send me a photo or just, Hey, I did it or, or whatever. But I'm, I'm curious just to see how it, how it plays out. And, I think the competition part of it, the people that I've talked to personally, one-on-one, that's what they love about it more than anything. And it's not too, they're not competing against thousands and thousands of people. They're competing against 49 other people. There's a great chance if they stay intentional and they stay on top of it, they can, they can win. So I'm, I'm excited about it, and I'll definitely let you know how that plays out. But the Random Acts of Kindness Week and staying aware of you know kindness opportunities, I was like, I'm going to do this. This is something I want to roll out and do. So I'll let you know. I, yeah, I definitely want to hear about it. And if you have other photos or experiences, you know, you want to share with us, it reminds me of our um, Random Acts of Kindness activists, our activists, right. who now since, oh my gosh, it was our goal this year to hit 5,000 activists, mm-hmm. And since Random Acts of Kindness Week, we're almost at 9,000. That's awesome. Um, and so we, you know, send out monthly kindness missions and we've been thinking through how can we better engage with people or make a friendly competition or do something like that so it may offline need to pick your brain a little bit about it see how it goes for you and if you know we can take that and inspire our community to do something similar love it one last thing i want to talk to you about and i thought of this question when you were talking about your your mad libs thing that Mm -hmm. you guys took out to the streets and you said how people were kind of like hey what is this kind of apprehensive at first about it Mm -hmm. why do you think people are that way why do you think we just, we stay kind of guarded when these opportunities arise? Because I, I have I experienced that as well um, during Random Acts of Kindness Week. We're just a world of terrible people, Drew. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We there's not uh, you're you're not. I mean, I know you were saying that in jest, but yeah. So here here's my personal view on it. I. 
I think that we have a really high BS meter or sales meter, if you want to say it in a kinder way, of there's so we're just surrounded. Think about how many marketing pitches you see on a regular basis, right. you know, of somebody asking for something from you. You know, if you actually, there's a study out there, I can't remember how many, but it was an obscene amount of marketing messages in a daily, for an, you know, average daily marketing messages somebody sees. And so we have this really high meter of like, is this, you know, authentic? What are they trying to get from me? Like, that's just the response. And then I think when you couple that with a social situation where suddenly people, because maybe kindness isn't normal, people suddenly feel like they have to step outside of their comfort zone and be a little bit vulnerable and not know what's going to happen. But that creates some fear and anxiety in people to like, okay, I don't know what I'm getting myself into right now. Um, And so sometimes we like to shy away until, like I said, you know, you see other people get involved, you realize what it's about and it's like, okay, I can participate too now because I realize that it's safe, that other people are doing it. I'm not alone. It is for a good cause. And I think that, it just speaks to the need for more and more people to go out there and do stuff like this so that it does make it normal that that response isn't as common from others and that, you know, we can, it makes it just easier on both sides. Like I know whenever we go out to do something like that in the community, I'm extra enthusiastic and kind of crazy like when we go out because in a way by me like overcompensating it makes the other people feel more comfortable like if I go into it also feeling uncomfortable like okay hey we have these signs I know you don't really want to do it okay it's fine I'll just walk away like that doesn't really go over well but I just started saying to people like just directly asking them hey, did you know it's Random Acts of Kindness Week? You know, to get a response and then said, um, who is somebody who you really care about that is still alive in your life right now? And got them to respond. I was like, would you like to thank them, you know, in the next five minutes for everything they've done for you? And it's super quick. And you just fill in these blanks. And like in that, when it was framed in that way, it was like, oh, okay, I can be a part of this. Um, I think it's just, like I said, sometimes when we don't have that framing, we go to the default mode now of like... What's the catch? What's the catch, exactly. Yeah. Okay, so to tie all this together now, going back to me standing on the highway in Glen Rose, Texas, with a sign that said, I lost a Julie, knowing it's Random Acts of Kindness Week, also knowing that everybody driving down the road is not listening to the radio show a lot of them are but not all of them are so they don't know why i'm out there Mm -hmm. but you know the one thing that stood out to me what the amount of people that i waved at that would not wave back Mm. now again they don't know who i am they don't know what i'm out there doing they don't necessarily know it's random acts of kindness week but it was overwhelming the number of people that would not acknowledge me standing there mm-hmm. it was eye-opening kelsey it really was and then i thought about all the times in my life where somebody simply waved at me and i did not wave back and i think about the i don't know if you guys have this up in denver but the people that stand outside the tax offices wearing like the statue of liberty um outfits you know trying mm-hmm. to get people to come in mm-hmm. and do their tax returns and stuff and they're at the you know i mean they're excited they're at the you know right there at the corner and they're just waving at you and you just pretend like they're not there yeah. 
And, and what is and what does it cost to wave? It costs nothing. Right. Why do you think that is that people weren't waving back? Well, I, I brought this up to my wife, and she kind of had her two cents. She said that she didn't want to open, not literally, but open the door for them to come in and give a sales pitch or to, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I was like, mm-hmm. they're, mo- they're moving down the, the road at 45, 50 miles an hour, windows up. There was no way that I could sell them anything, if you will, even if, you know, even if they did wait back. But that was, that was her rationale of why people don't do that. Again, what's the catch? Why are you waving at me? I don't know you. Type right. Of, type of thing. What's after the wave? What are you going right. to ask me for? Or what are you going to ask me to do? Yeah. So I don't know. Blew my mind. It, it is interesting. I have noticed that we've held up signs for traffic before as a staff and we'll go through ebbs and flows. Again, it's sort of like that fill in the blank thing where like no one will honk. And then all of a sudden you get a couple of people too, and it starts this wave of people like waving or honking, you know? Um, and I always just think about like, it's so interesting. I, I don't know exactly what it is. You know, you have different theories about why that wave is happening. Um, but it does show to me how just one person engaging can ripple into other people doing the same thing. And what was I was thinking about when you were talking is, um, one, the simple power of just like smiling and waving at somebody and how right. you experience that, you know, even if people aren't going to, let's say you were asking for money or something like that, you know, with why they were trying to avoid you, like those reasons that they would be, you know, oftentimes I've done that of people who have, you know, been asking for money or something. And, you know, I'll say I don't have anything to offer, but I do like smile at them or say like, have a great day. And then I'm of people who do respond and just say like thank you it's basically they're saying thank you for noticing me like um and not just dismissing me um one thing and this is a separate personal project outside of my work that i am working on right now that's been in my mind for a while that's similar to this is this project called i see you matter have i told you about this before drew no but i cannot wait (laughs) <laughs> Maybe you can help me figure it out because I need some clarity around it, not on this you know, show, but sure. separately. So I had this moment a few years ago where I realized the two phrases that everybody needs to hear or at least feel is, are, I see you and you matter. And when you combine them together, it's I see you matter. And so I'm trying to think of, you know, it's like basically ways for people to connect to each other and for people to feel that they belong and that they're significant, you know. And I think that what you're describing there, people waving at you, like there's some aspect there basically just saying like, I see you, you know, I'm not ignoring you. Right. Um, that there's something about that that's very validating and like gets to the core of what all of us need. And so it just shows how simple acts of kindness, like why smiling and why waving and why things like that aren't just as important as some of the bigger acts. And I think that, you know, the more that we do that, the just the happier all of us will be. It's an example that I give when I go into schools or talk to, you know, like high school students and talking about the power of one act of kindness and how I give the example because a lot of people can relate to this of, let's say you were new out of school and you walked in and everyone was standing talking to each other and they all their backs turned to you. And you walk in, you're the new kid. 
and they all just continue talking with their backs turned to you. And you have that feeling of like, oh my gosh, I don't belong here. Right. You know, no one cares that I'm even here. Okay, so same situation. You walk into the school, everyone's talking, backs turned to you. And one person just ever so slightly turns around and smiles at you and then turns back. Like how different that experience is for you just by one person having that little moment of acknowledgement, you know, where you don't feel like a complete outsider, I think is really important. Sure. And I shared this story last week, and it's a story that you told me about the girl who was walking down the street Mm -hmm. and somebody noticed her jacket or just noticed her. And she said that saved her life because she was going home to commit suicide. Yeah, it still gives me goosebumps. Like when you just said that, every time I read that story or share it with people, it's powerful. What? And tell me again, what did the person do? Did they just said they liked her jacket, or what? Yeah, so it was a fifteen-year-old girl who's planning to go home and kill herself, and on her walk home, um, someone stopped her and said, "Hey, there's a rip in your dress. Oh, that's Do you want to borrow my jacket to tie around your waist gotcha, to cover yeah. up the rip?" And that was the moment that it made her realize people care and, you know, that and she didn't end her life. And she actually then went to the other side of wanting to be that person for other people and acknowledge them. And that's why she got involved in our activist community. Well, then that goes to what, you know, your side project. I see you. I see you. And you matter. You know what I mean? I mean, not literally, but she is almost the the poster child for what you're trying to do she exemplifies what you're trying to do so i can't wait to talk to you more about that i'm excited we had a lot of stuff to talk about offline i think that's i I think that's interesting but i think it's i think it's cool and what i love about visiting with you kelsey i I think i've never met kelsey for those listening i we've never met but there's a connection there because of kind of our beliefs and what Mm -hmm. we we the importance that we see in these types of movements. Would you agree with that? Definitely. I think, you know, I go to your hashtag, right, of live on purpose. And so whatever that means for you. Um, and it's a similar, I think we agree on what that means, you know, and Absolutely. how you want to just experience life and people around you. I'll, I'll share this one last thing with you. And I'll let you go. And I told Kelsey before, I was like, hey, I'm not going to keep you that long, but it, this, that just happens with us. Sorry. <laughs> I had a guest on a few weeks ago. His name was Dan Johnson. His dad committed suicide when Dan was 10 years old, and he's a singer-songwriter. And now he started a nonprofit called Operation Hemingway that helps combat veteran suicide. Mm. Really cool story. Um, great music. But he's in studio with me, and we're talking, and we're talking just about his philosophy on life. And he says this. Pick what you love to do. Pick what you love to do, whatever that is, and be a badass. And I was like, Mm. that's awesome. I love that. Kelsey Grinevich, you're a badass. Thank you, Drew. I I feel the same way about you. And it's funny you say that because there's another offline conversation that's and something else I'm getting into is like helping other people see their inner badass and actually embrace it and like, you know, take that out into the world, whatever that means for them. I think um, that's what we need more of is those like passionate people who come alive and, you know, take what they love, what they care about, what they're good at and really go after it. It's so refreshing to talk to you. I mean, my phone's blowing up here from all the news outlets with all the crazy stuff going on in Washington, Mm -hmm. D.C. and across this Mm -hmm. country. Having these conversations is so refreshing to me. So uh, thank you. 
Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Kelsey Grenevich. Mm, thank you, too. I love coming on the show. I love everything that you're doing, and I think the more conversations like this that we can have, you know, the more that 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 it helps to balance out some of that negative news and some of the drama that's happening in the world around us. So keep it up and same to everybody who's listening. Oh yes. Keep supporting Drew and this awesome show because everything that you're doing is what we need more of. Thank you. I appreciate that. And to those to those same people, keep doing kindness. Keep looking, yeah. staying aware of opportunities to show kindness. Kelsey Grenevich, Director of Communications for the Random Acts of Kindness Foundation. Thank you so much, girl. If there's anything we can do for you, you know, just say the word. Thank you. That's a lot different than their first song that we heard from them tonight. Their first song was What Can I Do? That song jams. 
Really, really like that song. It's a good album. I encourage you to check it out again. Rivers in the Streets by Charlie and the Regrets. Now, what we're going to do on this episode of the Defining Audacity radio show is share an excerpt of my conversation with Charlie Harrison, frontman for Charlie and the Regrets. If you'd like to hear the interview in its entirety, make sure you download that podcast wherever you get your podcast from. That is uploaded and ready to roll right now. This excerpt is just a snapshot of the conversation we had. It was down in San Marcos, Texas. It was their record release party for Rivers in the Streets. We did it at Superfly's Music Emporium. It was cool to be down there for that special day for Charlie and the Regrets. So without further ado, here's part of that conversation with Charlie Harrison, frontman for Charlie and the Regrets. Joining me now on the Defining Audacity radio show from San Marcos, Texas, from Superfly's Lone Star Music Emporium, Mr. Charlie Harrison, frontman for Charlie and the Regrets. Charlie, what's up, man? Not much, man. Doing great. Uh, came down here, just played some songs uh, here at the record store, enjoying a, a nice beverage, and uh, yeah, life is good. Now, it's a bigger deal than that. This is a big day for you guys because of what, what happened today. Tell the listeners. Yeah, so our, our first kind of studio record, our first, I'd say it's like our first big boy record. We did a little uh, demo ourselves, but uh, our first big record's coming out, and uh, we're really excited. It's called Rivers and Streets. We've been working on a while, been um, kind of getting everything lined up to release it for a while. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's a big day. It's pretty exciting. Well, congratulations, first of all. Yeah, thank you very much. Feels good. <laughs> I, I tried to make it down here from Austin to, to catch the show here at Superflies, and I hit traffic. But I listened to you on the CD because I had the CD yeah, with me all the way down, secret, so I felt yeah. like I was here. <laughs> well, yeah, you got the the, the secret recipes, yeah, yeah. And actually, almost everybody here today is, are the guys that played on the on the record. So hopefully, it's, hopefully we're sounding a little bit like the the CD. I really enjoyed it. I like your sound a lot. What I want to do out of the gate here, and I do this with a lot of artists that come on. I don't know a lot about you, Charlie. I don't know a lot about Charlie and the regrets. I want to hear your story, man. Okay. You know, we were talking just a minute ago when I was a little kid, grew up kind of outside of, in between Dallas and Fort Worth and Bedford, and then uh, moved to Houston kind of in grade school and, and spent most of, of my time there. You know, I, and I've said this to other folks, it's cliche, but it's true. I kind of always uh, played music, always loved music. I played drums was the first instrument I played. I um, started playing uh, in, in bands in, in middle school, and then in high school I started playing the first band that ever had the actual gigs, uh, which was great. Our first gig ever, uh, our uh, guitar player's mom brought all of her friends, and they like drank the bar out of white wine. <laughs> and the like, bar loved us. I have no idea if we were good or not. I thought, you guys can come back whenever you want. <laughs> yeah, so I did that, and in that band, I started writing songs, and that was, uh, my grandmother had given me, you know, a guitar for Christmas, and um, so that was, you know, I started learning chords, and that was about the time, you know, I had really been into kind of like rock and roll. I had, you know, an older brother, and I was, you know, I was a teenager, angry for no reason. But that was when I find, started to find out about guys like Willie and Waylon and Jerry Jeff, and I liked kind of sort of a little bit of the rock and roll attitude that they brought, but also sort of this storytelling element. Um, and, and, you know, more recently, Todd Snyder's talked about that this was one of the things that drew him to Jerry Jeff, but it was like, you know, with three chords, he could do so much. And so that was, you know, I started writing more, my songs started fitting a little bit in that, more in that vein. And then by the time, you know, I ended up going to Austin after, uh, after I graduated high school, went to school, um, and started playing in bars on 6th Street. And so, you know, most of the stuff we would play, we played mainly covers and a couple of originals, and we were playing, you know, Will and Waylon and Jerry Jeff, um, you know, some Billy Joe Schaefer, stuff like that. So did that. I was a terrible, terrible student. I barely, I think, <laughs> in six years, and this, this is 100% true, you have to have a 2.0 to, to graduate, and I had a 2.03. Uh, and after six years, I got out with my American Studies degree. Everybody's like, what made you pick American Studies? I was like, well, after year four, I went in and I was like, what am I closest to? <laughs> uh, like, we're well, not really close to anything. Uh, but anyway, so I did that. But 
you know, I had I loved music and I, I loved writing, but I wasn't really doing much of that. I was playing on Sixth Street, you know, three to four nights a week, and then I was uh, actually bouncing in a bar and bartending occasionally uh, the other nights. And um, I wasn't really writing. I wasn't really working and getting better. Uh, and I got kind of burned out. And I was like, well, I'm going to go like. You know, screw this! I'm gonna go, and I went. I went home, and I got got a job. A buddy of mine got me a job uh, as an intern for a stockbroker, which meant I just picked up the phone 100 to 150 times a day, making cold calls, uh, and I hated it. I would literally like driving into his office. I would feel like sick to my stomach, uh, just because I'm just not cut out for it. It's not uh, me, and I just it just wasn't what I was supposed to do. And you know, all that time I was writing, but I wasn't really playing out. So I left that. Um, you went back, kind of finished up some school, met my wife, and uh, then I started writing more and more. Um, and then she moved to uh, Virginia for school, and I, I followed her after a little bit. And uh, that was when actually I, I started playing out, started going to open mics again, because that was something I had done, you know, in high school before I went to Austin. And but that was at that point I was writing all these songs. Um, and uh, I actually put together a band called Charlie and the Contraband. I had a buddy of mine from Austin who happened to be uh, in Washington, D.C., and so we began to meet other people and go to these open mics and piece together a band, and that was that was a ton of fun. There's a great club there called IOTA, um, which has you know great songwriters, you know, touring acts, and, and that became our home, and uh, we began opening up for some really cool people. And, and But there kind of came a point where I think my wife and I just thought to ourselves, like, we're a... Uh, I don't know if we're supposed to be in, you know, Washington D.C. So we said, well, why, why would we do this? Why not we just, you know, go home where we have family and, you know, we love, we love home. Going to Washington and seeing, like, neither of us had ever lived outside of Texas, so we wanted to go do something different. But it was like, okay, we've, we've seen it. But uh, from the time I got home, you know, started playing more and more, and, and that was kind of um, my wife was was really great about saying, hey, you know, I think it was too. She was like, you've been like in love with music ever since I met you. You know, my schedule would be I'd work and I'd get home and then I'd either write songs or go to open mics or play until two in the morning and then wake up and go to work. And, and she's like, well, um, she's like, if this is what you want to do, why don't you go really chase it and, and we'll figure out. Um, so I was, I guess, about a year and a half ago and been um, doing that. And I'm lucky to get all that uh, support. And we've been we've been playing and, you know, uh, and writing and uh, began to sort of find our legs a little bit in Houston. We had a, a gig every Sunday night, uh, which if you are an aspiring singer, songwriter, guitar player, whatever, uh, be careful about gigs you book in the fall in Texas on Sunday nights because uh, you're going to have to compete. <laughs> yeah, you better be good or just be happy with being the halftime show. And, I, and I, after a while, I made a rule for myself. I was like, it's fine. I, I, TV's in the bar. That's fine. I just don't want a big screen TV, like, right behind me. Because then I'm just like, I'm just in the way, you know? Like, why are we even pretending? <laughs> you know, we did that probably a year, and it was great just to get reps and try out songs. And, and you know, we had fun playing covers and stuff, too. And um, we began to piece together a band. Um, and it took a while to kind of find everybody. Uh, it, it's funny. I think the hardest thing has been to find, like, the guys where it just feels awesome. And... Um, I've been telling everybody this since 100% true. I'm very lucky to get to play those guys and to be the least talented guy in the band because I play with a really um, great group of musicians, and unfortunately they like they like the songs and and um, they've been willing to you know come along and see what we can do. So, all right, let me jump in here. I got some questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This kind of push out of the nest that your wife did a year and a half ago and said yeah. go. How do you feel about it? Is it scary? Is it exciting? Is it all of the above? You know, it, it is uh, really scary. And it, it's funny, um, it was one of the scariest things I, I've done. And I think um, 
at first. So it, it sort of was like a couple things going on. I was working, I was traveling, and, and I think my wife wanted, you know, she was like, hey, we have to have time for us, too, in addition to everything. And, um, and I was, you know, I was probably not being the best employee and not being the best, you know, writer I could be. And we wanted to have a kid. And so it was like, how are we going to do this? And she was like, look, you're not getting any younger. And it's funny, like, I feel like I'm 19. In my head, it hasn't, like, clicked, like, no, you're not 19 anymore. <laughs> um, but, no, it's really scary. And it's funny, you know, how much of your identity gets wrapped up in what you do. And it took me a while before I could sort of own. People would be like, you know, I meet somebody and be like, yeah, you know, I'm a, a singer-songwriter. And it's, you know, and then sometimes, you know, some nights are great. And some nights it's you and the bartender. And then the next day, when somebody's like, "Oh, what do you do?" You're like, "Well, I was there, sorry, to the bartender over there," you know. Uh, so it is. It's really. It, it is. It was scary, um, but you know, she she's been good, and and you know, and, and we're figuring out ways to make it work. I've been very fortunate to pick up kind of some contract work and stuff like that. To um, you know, when there's only the one person at the bar, <laughs> and. Uh, but uh, yeah, it, it's it's scary. But it, like I said, I sort of figures like if not now, when am I gonna do it? And I questioned a lot. I was like, well, you know, why do you why do you think that this is something you should do or whatever? There's other stuff I can do pretty well. Um, and I don't know. I had like a realization one day. So like, if you if I don't hear music, like if I just turn off the radio, um, at some point, like songs just start showing up in my head. And I don't know. Like some of them are good, some of them are awful, but. I think one day I was realized like I don't think that happens for everybody else. Uh, maybe this, that means that there's something there, and I got to figure out how to refine it. So I was an idiot in college, and then after college, it took me a couple of years, and I worked really hard to get you know kind of like a good job, and to, I worked my butt off at the job, and, and you know got promotions and all that stuff, and I feel great. And I thought to myself like, well, I really like the people I work for, and that was good. But I was like, I never, I was like, I don't love what I'm doing or anything. I was like, I never put half the effort into music that I put into this thing that I don't really care about so then I tried to put try to put like kind of a regimen together and this is actually some of it came from um, I went to like a songwriting workshop with uh, Owen Temple and, and Gordy Quist um, Gordy from Band of Heathens and Owen Temple from Owen Temple <laughs> um, and they talked a lot about process and this idea of like you know there's you know, part of songwriting everything is like this creative inspiration and part of it is just work like anything else so then I started saying, okay, I gotta you know practice guitar and I gotta you know try to start learning how to sing <laughs> and like and just writing as much as I can and then spending time refining. And I th I look now at the stuff that I'm writing right now. I'm like, oh, this is definitely better than what I was writing you know two years ago or three years. So hopefully that is uh is taken. But it's been you know it's scary and the, and there's some there's some nights some days you're like this was awesome this was you know I, I'm so glad I'm doing this and I can I can. You know, see it becoming something, and then there's other nights where I'm just like, "What am I?" <laughs> you know, uh, and you know, it's tricky too because I probably, no matter what, I'll always like, I, no matter what I did, you'd probably find me somewhere in a guitar with it in the bar somewhere at, at some point. But um, so I don't think I could ever step away from it. But it is kind of scary to go all the way on, on a limb. But um, I feel like if I didn't, that in 20 years. You know, it's, it'd be a lot easier for me to be like, "Hey, you know what? I spent four years driving around, and at the end of the day, nobody cared. And fine, I can just, I can, you know, make little records for myself." Um, but it, that would be easier to accept than twenty years from now. Like, "Hey, I never did it because, well, gee, I got a nice Christmas bonus, and I didn't want to walk away from that." Do you, do you mean to give you the Mark Twain quote? Oh yeah, give me the Mark. <laughs> you don't know the Mark Twain quote? I don't. 
20 years from now, you're not going to regret the things you did do. You're going to regret the things you didn't well, do. there you go. There you go, man. There you go. My mom gave me that frame quote when I graduated from high school. I'll send it to you. I yeah. it's, it's the, That's the truth, though. So I, I totally get what you're saying. Charlie Harrison, front man for Charlie and the Regrets. Best of luck to you, brother. If there's anything yeah, different, let's go. No problem. Thanks.
Are you a musician or a true music lover? Well, there's a new clothing company that supports local musicians and trying to keep country music country. 1950 Clothing Co. 1950 Clothing Co. is inspired by the legendary sounds of classic and outlaw music. Their designs are understated, sincere, and classic the way country music used to be. To purchase or learn more about 1950 Clothing Co., you can visit them on the web at 1950clothingco.com. Again, that's 1950clothingco.com. A portion of the proceeds of each sale goes to support authentic local country artists. Steering country music back to its roots, one t-shirt at a time. Every man dies. Not every man really lives. We couldn't have said it better ourselves. It's time to stop saying, I'll do it tomorrow, and start living on purpose. This is the Defining Audacity Radio Show. Again, that was just an excerpt from my conversation with Charlie Harrison, frontman for Charlie and the Regrets. You can hear that entire conversation by downloading the podcast from wherever you get your podcasts from. Thanks again to Charlie Harrison for joining me on this episode of the Defining Audacity radio show. Also want to say thank you to Kelsey Grenevich from the Random Acts of Kindness Foundation. I always appreciate her coming on the show as well. That's going to do it for this episode of the Defining Audacity radio show. I appreciate everybody tuning in. Thanks to our show sponsor, Purpose Coffee. We'll be back here next week delivering a another message of hope, inspiring people to live a bold, adventurous, and intentional life, driving home our message of live on purpose. Fantastic show next week with the kick-butt singer-songwriter Austin Mead in studio with me. Fired up about sharing that awesome conversation. Again, we'll be back here next week. See ya. Thank you for listening to the Defining Audacity Radio Show. Every week, we try to inspire people to live a bold, adventurous, and intentional life using life lists or bucket lists to accomplish that goal. We want you to live on purpose. Join us next week on the Defining Audacity Radio Show. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.